Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. Good to have you here with us today. We appreciate you hanging out and joining us. We've got a great show for you, a great guest, and a great conversation talking about all things speaking. Before we get there, if you haven't already, I know I've talked to you about it a lot, but you got to make sure you check out our new book, The Successful Speaker. You got to pick it up. It is out in bookstores everywhere today on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold. Make sure you pick up The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, Building Your Platform. It is the resource, the guide that you need for uh, learning how to find and book gigs, whether you're looking for your first gig or your hundredth gig, uh, you're looking to add more systems and structure to your speaking business, you need that book, The Successful Speaker. Make sure you go pick it up. All right, so today we're going to be talking with my friend John Gordon. John is a, a professional speaker and author and all around great human being. Uh, John has been in the speaking business for several years. We talked through how he got his start. He started doing a lot of free gigs. We talked about the pros and cons of that. He also talks about a message and, and it's kind of, it's in his words, it's kind of woo-woo. It's kind of fluffy. It's kind of for everyone, which also means it's kind of for no one. So we talk about how he positioned that. Let's talk about how he begins to think about his business beyond just speaking, beyond the stage. We talk about the differences between being an entrepreneur and being an artist. Uh, so it's really, really a good conversation. We also he throws in some wisdom at the end about speaking bureaus. So a lot of good stuff here from John. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this. So let's jump right into this conversation with uh, Mr. John Gordon. Enjoy. What's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, joined by Mr. John Gordon, speaker, author, extraordinaire. The guy has written uh, so many books. The most recent, "Stay Positive," is out. Well, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll talk about that. But John, thanks for joining us. How are you? Grant, great to be with you. All right. So we were talking a little bit beforehand. I'm going to throw a curveball at you. Uh, we both are speaking a lot this week, in particular, and even a lot today. What do you do to protect the throat? What are the the secrets, the tricks that you use? For me, it is Manuka honey. Manuka is antiviral, antibacterial. You don't put it into hot water, actually, because that ruins the properties. But Manuka honey is, is key with a little teaspoon in the morning, one in the afternoon. I swear by it. It's amazing. It. And it actually keeps you healthy as well. When you're on the road, it really fights all the germs, the bacteria. It's incredible. So no hot tea, no lemon, no nothing, just, just honey, a specific just, honey. Just Manuka. 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 Where do you get it at? Uh, Amazon sells it. Any health food store carries it. But you want to buy the one that has a higher concentration of, of, uh, of the properties. Okay. So I like to buy the 400 or I think it's like any higher than a, a 12 or 18 for the other kind of uh, measuring scale. Is the bulk of the speaking that you do just keynotes, one hour blocks, or do you do many things that are you know half day or full day? Mostly one hour blocks, sometimes 45 minutes, sometimes yeah. 90 minutes if we do a Q&A, but it's a lot of keynotes. But I did about 
76 last year. I did over 80 the year before. I used to do over 100 every year. So I'm trying to bring that number down, uh, doing less, charging more, and just making sure that I don't burn myself out over time. Do you still find it fun? I mean, obviously you've been doing this for a long time. There's a lot, the, the one hour you're on stage is amazing. There's a lot of other um, uh, very non-glamorous, non-sexy parts of it that nobody sees. Um, do, do you still find it enjoyable? I love it. I love the speaking. I love interacting. I love making a difference. What I don't like is the travel. I don't like all the tedious airport stuff and having to deal with all that, especially because I fly from Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. So I drive from the beach to the airport. And then from the airport, I got to always connect somewhere, usually through Atlanta to get somewhere else. If I could just have direct flights, that would be like a dream, but yeah. always having to connect. I'm always having to take two flights there, two flights back. It's an extra five or seven hours. I remember I did an event with John Maxwell and I got done speaking, didn't get home till like midnight. John took his private plane back <laughs> and, and, and he showed up like a half an hour before speaking, got on stage and then he was back home and <laughs> Boom, I'm like, okay, that's my vision for the future where I am, I am having uh, private travel to take me places. More and more now, I think it's getting cheaper. So I know that's a vision and, and I'm charging a lot more now. So I'm figuring out a way maybe I need to start adding private travel to that. But uh, I also do think, though, the problems you have with traveling, it does keep you humble. Yeah. It, it keeps you in a servant mindset so you don't get too big for your britches. So I do think there are some benefits to that as well. Yeah, there's uh, definitely some more stories uh, on the road that I'm sure uh, we, we could exchange. Well, now I use, I use these airplane stories now as great material for the talks. So I used to allow it to get to me, the traveling. So what I do now is to turn around, I take my challenge, I turn it into an opportunity. And what I'm focused on is, okay, I'm going to tell a story that you just can't make up. And the, air, and the airlines keep on giving me more and more stories to tell. <laughs> When that happens, you're like, this is a pain in the butt in the moment, but I know that I can turn this into a lot oh, of revenue like, long term. This is going to be great. I mean, Hulk Hogan was on my flight right behind me not too long ago. <laughs> and uh, I, I grab his bag and give it to me. He's like, thank you, brother. And I said, uh, I said to him, you're welcome, brother. And, uh, and then we just started having this great conversation. So again, like little stories. Angela Jolie is on my flight going to Cleveland. She's with her son. I'm going to speak to the Cleveland Browns. Yes, I spoke to the Browns this year. I did not help them very much. But, um, but I'm going to speak to the Browns. And I don't know why she was flying uh, you know, commercial, commercial, but she yeah. was. And we started having this conversation. I gave her my book, The Coffee Bean, that had just come out. And I said, hey, I think your son might like this. She was very open to it. She starts reading it on the plane. And then she's turning around wanting to talk about the book and the material. I'm like, you just can't make this up. Of course, I text my wife right away. Honey, can I talk to Angela Jolie? Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, you know, because I, I always talk about commitment. You have to be committed yep. in that moment. Yep. And, uh, and, and uh, but she loved the book. It was pretty funny. People might say, John, you had no shot. John, you had no <laughs> shot anyway. I said, but she did ask for my number. I have to tell you that, but it's only because she wanted to write a children's book, which I had written. Very cool. <laughs> That's good, man. Uh, and it's always good to be transparent with the missus. <laughs> of course. Oh, of course. All right. So let's, uh, let's backtrack for a second. How did you first get into speaking? Because I, I think for a lot of people, it's easy to look at where you know, a successful speaker like you are, where you are today and think, ah, oh, it just magically happens. But the reality is, is like, there's a lot that went into it behind the scenes, a lot that's built up for years and years and years, takes you know, decades to become an overnight success. What is it like uh, early on when you got started speaking? Well, I just interviewed you on my podcast, Positive University, and, and we talked about how when you start out, it is not easy. And so I literally would email 
all these different people saying, I, I want to speak to your organization. I got rejection after rejection, or in most cases, no response. And so for me, I knew I wanted to speak. I knew this was my purpose, my passion. What happened was I lost my job during the dot-com crash. And I literally cried out to God, God, why am I here? I know I'm here for a reason. What is my purpose? And writing and speaking came to me. It literally, boom, came to me. It was like a lightning strike moment. I'll never forget it. It was a really powerful moment. I said, all right, what am I going to speak about? And I didn't know what I would speak about, but I knew that I wanted to encourage people and make a difference. And so I started with that. And my goal was then to open up a Moe's Southwest Grill, a restaurant franchise that would allow me to make enough money to that, so that I could write and speak full time. That was sort of the vision and the plan. And I second mortgaged my home, $20,000 in credit cards, and we put everything we had into this Moe's, hopefully allowing me to, to, to become a speaker at some point. And the restaurant at first didn't make any money. It was really difficult. We almost went bankrupt a number of times. But somehow, some way, God really did carry us through that challenge. And I then, I remember we made our first profit. And I said, okay, I'm going to start speaking now. And so I started to meet people through the, through the Moe's. I would wipe tables down, talk to people. I met a woman. She was the managing partner of, North, of uh, New York Life. Mm-hmm. And so she invited me to speak to her company. And I said I was a speaker, even though I hadn't done a talk before. She was my first talk to a company. And I went and did it. I really liked it. I'm like, okay. Then I started to do more and more of that. I did about 80 free talks. I didn't charge them. I just went and spoke wherever and whenever. I called up Jim Foreman, who was a famous speaker. And I said, hey, I want to speak like you. What do I need to do? He said, speak. The more you speak, the more people will see you, refer you, and you'll get more business from that. And so I did that. Again, this may not work for everyone, but I knew that this is what I needed to do. Jacksonville, smaller market. But I really, you know, practiced a lot with this group. A good friend of mine was the VP of sales for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm -hmm. And so I went and spoke to his sales team for free. But now I had the Jaguars as a client on my website. And so I had this website that had a speaking page. It had a news page, even though I didn't have any news. It had, you know, a what's happening page. And I really was building this brand as if, even though it wasn't there yet. I built it as if. I came up, came up with my core message, my core talk. At the time, it was positive energy. I'm going to get addicted to positive energy. I'm going to get you addicted to positive energy. A little very cheesy at first. I'm going to be honest with that. It was a totally different brand than it is now. And it was like, that was my start, though. I'm going to inspire you, encourage you, and we're going to talk about positive energy. So that's where I started. I did all these, again, free talks, and I got better and better over time. Not very good at first not very good. And people need to understand, you're not going to be good early on. You can't expect to be perfect. Some people are naturally good. I think I had natural presence. People liked some of my material. That's why I kept on getting booked more after that. But I know I wasn't very good. I asked this woman who was an event planner. I met her at the gym. She was a friend of my friends. And she came to see me speak. And she told my friend, oh, he's not going to make it. He should, he should give up. He should, he should go get coached by this person. And, um, I didn't listen to it. I said, you know, I don't care what she says. I'm going to get better. And I just kept on getting better and better and better over time. Do you still have the Moe's today? No, I sold them in 2005. And that was really a a key pivotal moment in my life because I was doing maybe about two events per month or one event a month, making about five to 7,000 per month speaking. And I had the Moe's and they were going well, but it was draining. And I remember going out to Chubb Insurance in Portland, Oregon to give a talk. Someone saw me at somewhere and then invited me to, to speak. Right. And I went out there and gave this talk. And when I was on my way out, 
I was reading a magazine. It said, how to know when to, to sell your business. Yeah. I'm like, oh, maybe I should sell my business. On the way home, different magazine, business magazine, it said, how to value your business when selling. Completely different. <laughs> I said, that's a sign. I walked in the door. I said, honey, we're selling, we're selling the most. It's time. She goes, no, 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 we can't. We're, you know, we're doing great now. We're just finally comfortable. I said, no, we're selling. I'm going to focus on writing and speaking. This is what I have to do. Yeah. God gave me the sign. This is my passion. She's like, what happens if it doesn't work? I said, there are no other options. I was we say, have to make it work. It sounds like it was like a, almost like a burn the boats type moment for you. It was. It was like, I'm going to go after this. I'm going to make this work. You know what's so funny? Sold the restaurants, made some good money from the restaurants, made maybe about $800,000. So, okay, not bad because I eventually opened four restaurants. So I got some money now and it's in the bank, but we're now living off of it. So about a, a year goes by and, and the speaking's not going well, the writing's not going well, nothing's taking off. And so now you see this money coming out of your account. You're like, okay, I'm slowly losing more and more money. Right. So I'm walking one day, I'm praying, practicing gratitude, taking this walk. And that's when the energy bus came to me and literally wrote that book in three and a half weeks of, of pure divine inspiration. And that book would get rejected by over 30 publishers, but eventually get picked up. And that book really changed my life and started getting read by all these different people. So it was one of these things where, you know, you work hard, you work hard, you work hard. You also take the chance, you're faithful, you follow the science. And then sure enough, that happens. But there was a lot of trust and faith involved along the way. So I'm curious on a couple different things. One would be like, all right, you do 80 free talks. You're, you're, you're just, you're trying to get some momentum going. It's very, very difficult early on there. Uh, and I'm sure like, like, um, uh, I'm sure many points you're just like, why am I doing this? What's the point? Maybe I should just go all in on the Mo's. It's not my favorite thing in the world. There's only so many burritos I can make, but I know it's like, it's consistent. It's stable. It's secure. It makes my, my family feel good. I know I'm providing, but I'm still chasing this dream. Were there points even then, then, or even now we're just like, maybe this isn't working. Maybe like I've, um, I misheard something or maybe I'm headed the wrong direction and maybe I need to be doing something different. Maybe I need to throw in the towel. Were there moments where you wanted to quit? Many moments. There are many moments I wanted to give up. Many moments where the talk didn't go well. Many moments where I thought, you know what, maybe this is not for me. And after I sold the Mo's, a lot of fearful and doubtful moments that I made the wrong decision. So yes, there was a lot of fearful moments. And I just kept plugging away. I kept on being faithful. I kept on just doing my best where I was. But yeah, I had a lot of doubt. I had those moments of doubt. And when the energy bus was rejected and rejected and rejected, I'm thinking, I wrote something that was special. I wrote something that could make a difference. And how is this happening? So there was a lot of questioning going like, what is going on here? Why isn't this working? So a lot of fear. And I think when people are starting out, they have to understand you have to think long-term. You have to have this vision of what you want to create. And then you have to take zoom focus actions every day. Telescope, microscope. Here's a telescope. Here's the vision I have. I still have a picture that I spoke to about 10,000 people. That was the vision I had. And yeah. someone actually take, took a picture of the vision years later. And then there's this microscope where every day I'm going to show up, I'm going to do the work, and I'm going to try to get one win a day or one win a week. And you get that one win. You get that yes. You get that, okay, I'll have you come speak. And over time, it builds, but there is no secret formula. Everyone wants to know the secret to success with speaking. You got to get out there and speak. You got to speak. And the more you do it, the more it will lead to more speaking, but you got to get out there. You got to get the opportunities and you got to have a message that people want to hear that they resonate with. And obviously it's got to be something that you're, you're better at. I gave a talk. I remember to the entrepreneurs uh, organization, EO, EO. Yep. EO. I mean, 
I failed miserably. It was the only talk I think I ever really failed. And I failed. I just did not connect with the audience. And I saw a friend a couple years later. I was giving a talk. And my friend is part of EO. And he came to see me speak. And I just crushed this talk. And he's like, man, that was really good. I didn't know you were that, that good. He, he goes, I go, yeah, the EO thing didn't go well a, a few years ago. He goes, yeah, yeah, I heard, I heard you bombed. And it was like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, now I know I actually really did. I, I knew I did, but then to hear it confirmed. And it's like, you're going to have those moments. You're going to have those failures, but they're not meant to define you. They're meant to refine you to be all that you're meant to be. So learn from it, grow from it, get better because of it. You said that uh, whenever you first started speaking, even uh, some of what you do today is around this topic of positivity. And you mentioned uh, two things. One, it's this type of topic that's like, yeah, it's for everybody. Um, so figuring out who it's really for. But two, you also said it can kind of, you know, it feels like, you know, woo woo. And it's kind of like, I don't know, what does that mean? You know, and everyone needs to be positive. But so we were talking about this on, on your show that like, you know, if you, if you have that kind of this big, broad, vague, fluffy topic that's for everybody, it's also for nobody, it can be a little bit difficult to, to get some momentum though, get some momentum going. So how did you take this big topic and kind of carve your own niche out of it? Yeah, create a niche around positive leadership, around being a positive team. So it was about becoming a stronger team through optimism, through belief, through connection, through commitment. It was about positive leadership. This is what great leaders do. It also helped that Alan Mullally, who the former CEO of Ford, who turned them around from the loss of $14 billion to profitable in a few short years, one of the greatest leadership feats in history, he defined his leadership style as positive leadership. Mm -hmm. And then you look throughout history, you see that the greatest leaders of all time were, were positive leaders. They kept on dreaming, kept on believing, kept on doing. Pessimists do not change the world, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's the optimist. So, so I really was able to tie in. But here's the deal. Early on, when the energy bus came out, it was not very popular because it was about positivity. And positivity back then wasn't very popular. So it was ahead of its time in that way. And now it's funny because everyone's talking about positivity now. We're talking about happiness. We're talking about kindness. We didn't talk about this 14 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so the energy bus came out in 2007. It's more popular this year than it was last year and more popular than the year before. So, mm -hmm. so, I've, so the market has sort of caught up with me now in terms of, of this niche and this focus. But yeah, it's very concrete. And when I'm speaking, I know what the critics are saying. Oh, positivity, woo-woo, Pollyanna. No, no, positivity. It's real. Research shows you're more effective with it. You're able to rally your team. You get greater results. Here's this leader. He leads with optimism. Here's Dabo Sweeney. I worked with them for eight years. This is how he does it. This is what Dave Roberts does with the Dodgers. I worked with him. This is what this coach does, Sean McVay. I worked with him. This is what Alan Mullally does. This is what Donna Orander does. This is how Deb G, the producer of the movie Tiger Rising, was able to get her movie funded after 10 years to finally make it happen. So you start giving concrete, real examples and now people are buying it. So I think whatever talk you're giving, again, it's not about me. How can we help people, right? I know you're, you're a huge proponent of that. Yeah. So when you are coming up with your talk, make it relatable to them, but also how does it benefit them? How does it add value to them? And how can they use this forward to be more successful? So you mentioned that the energy bus, whenever it came out in 2007, you know, 13, 14 years ago, that that was a big turning point for you, um, which is great when it happens. It's really difficult to capture lightning in a bottle and to say, well, I'm just, you know, my speaking strategy is I'm going to write a book. It's going to blow up uh, 13, 14 years later. It's going to be even more popular than whenever it debuted. And it's going to continue to have this, um, you know, this huge, huge rise and climb. 
you can't necessarily plan for that. It's great when it does happen. So uh, is there anything that you, you did or have done to strategically say, hey, I wrote a book and I'm going to, I, you can't absolutely use a book to leverage for additional speaking gigs. So anything that you have done with the book that has helped you uh, continue to get to book gigs? Yes. One thing I did, which was really key, is, is my book became my talk and my talk promoted the book. So yeah. I was very focused early on on, Again, positivity, 10 rules for the ride of your life, 10 rules to fuel your life, work, and team with positive energy. So it wasn't just about you. It's about getting your team on the bus and moving in the right direction with a shared vision, focus, and purpose. So it was all focused on that. So yeah. how, how can we you know, leverage both? So the talk really promoted the book. So when people would buy the book afterwards, and then when people read the book, they invited me to speak. And I think that's really important to know your core message know your brand, and then make sure you focus on that. Keep focusing. Because it didn't become a bestseller for five years. So I was living in that world of, hey, I got this book, but it's not a huge hit. So all you have to do is continue to work it and do it and share it. And I continue to go anywhere and everywhere to speak. Went on a 28-city book tour, paid for myself when the book came out. That was really key. 28 cities, five people in one city, 10 people in another 20 people in other, the, the most people we had were 100 people in Des Moines, Iowa. They thought Jeff Gordon was coming. That's why they showed up. <laughs> and that's not a joke. That's a true story. And, Love the NASCAR and, up there. <laughs> yeah. And so that's why we had a great turnout there. Yet I came home and one of the people that saw me speak invited me to speak at their school. A business leader was in one of the cities invited me to speak to his business. So every talk planted a seed that led to one talk. This talk then led to two more talks. And over time, that's how you build it. That's how it grows. One talk leads to another, which leads to another. So I, I was hustling really hard for years. And then when it became a bestseller, I still continued to hustle hard and to do it. And you know, my publisher, John Lally and Sons, will tell you that, you know, no one works harder than me. And I, I, would, I would say that's probably a key reason for the success. It wasn't like I did have lightning in a bottle that this book took off, but there was a lot of work behind the scenes of speaking, of promoting it, of talking about it, sharing it, and, and putting it out there. But, but here's the other thing. The number one thing I did to build the business, people need to understand this is so important. I started a newsletter. In 2002, I wrote a weekly positive tip every week since 2002, and that list grew and grew and grew. And early on, I got a lot of speaking engagements from people who read the newsletter, and I would put little promote promos in there, little video clips, and say, hey, I'm available. Well, now everyone has social media. Mm -hmm. People have Instagram. You have to make sure you're promoting on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, your clips of when you speak, post the clip on there. But nothing beats the direct message of a newsletter when it reaches someone. And so my newsletters were all about adding value. You look at a guy named like James Clear who took off with Atomic Habits. Yep. That was years in the making of a newsletter that's all he focused on. This is his first book and I think he's been doing this for 10 years and his book finally comes out and it took off because he had such a huge network of supporters, a network of readers and a network of people that have already bought in. So, so I think really the key for me was that newsletter that I still do to this day and it's a very engaged newsletter list. It's people that really follow me from seeing me or reading my books. And so the engagement grows. It's not like one we're trying to acquire to develop a huge list. About 150,000 people, but very engaged. And they all, then they buy books. 
So one of the things that you touched on there with both the newsletter and with your speaking is that you are actively also letting people know that you speak and just connecting the dots for them. Because like we were, we were talking a little bit as, about this on your show is just because someone sees you speak doesn't necessarily mean that they make the connection that this is what you do. They just assume like, yeah, you just, this is the one time and he happened to be really good. It's like, no, like I do this a lot. This is a thing. Like I could come speak at your conference or your company or your event or whatever. And so is there anything that you do from stage to connect the dots for people to let them know, like, here's how I could, I could come to your thing or how I could help you? That's so funny that you say that because some people come up to me after a talk, even now doing it mm -hmm. for yeah. 12, 13 years. They'll be like, Hey, um, so is this what you do for a living? Like you just go around and speak like, yeah, that's what I do for a living. <laughs> or I'll see someone around my own town. I'm like, Hey, you still doing that speaking thing? You know, that's <laughs> <Yeah>, working out. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, I, I absolutely, yeah, 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 I'm still doing that. Hey, have you written a book besides the energy bus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I've written 19 since the energy bus 20 total now. And you know, I don't want to, you know, be arrogant. My, my wife, it gets all like, you know, why don't you say, say something? I'm like, no, I don't need to say something, but my wife right. gets all like proud. Like you need to tell them I'm like, no, I don't. It's like, it doesn't matter if they don't know. It doesn't matter. I want to say like, yeah, I did $2 million last year in speaking. How about you? How are you doing? You know, but you know, again, I'm so thankful I get to do it. You don't want to be like that, but it's just yeah. so funny when they ask those kind of questions like, Hey, how's your speaking going? Like, are you still doing that? So yeah. So from stage, I don't really say it from stage now, but we do promote on from stage, we promote the books in a slide, and then we have a vehicle for them to sign up for my newsletter from the slide. Mm -hmm. And then I, and on social media now, I do post a lot of short 30 second to one minute clips of various talks over time. Brown, Cleveland Browns talk and the Rams yeah. talk, and, and then some business talks, you know, big stage talks where you got some great footage. We'll show that as well. And I think that helps foster that. And um, I'm at the point now, to be honest, I'm not trying to book myself. I already have enough every year for myself. I'm literally trying to book speaking for my team. I have a team of speakers now and we have a, a team that does workshops as well. So we're really focused on selling workshops and selling speakers for them to go share this message so we can multiply and impact more people to help develop positive leaders and develop strong teams. We know our core message what we're here to do, and that's what we're here to focus on. So I really think when people come out to me and say, hey, I want to be a speaker, where do I get started? I know you do this, of course. This is your, this is your living. You're the best at this. You're the expert. But I tell them, find your core message. Like if you were going to die tomorrow, what would you want to speak about? Like what would you want to leave behind? What are you passionate about speaking? And I love what you talk about. What, what problem are you solving? How can you help them solve a problem, help lead them towards a better future, guide them towards that? And then but get really clear on that one thing that you want to talk about and then create an overview of that talk and make that your brand. Start with that as your brand at first and get known for that. And as you get known for that, you then could veer off into other things. I've written yeah. Training Camp, The Carpenter, and different books, but I know my core is positive leadership and positive teams. One of the things that seems like you've done a good job with is you've branched out beyond just speaking. So I remember a speaker telling me early on in my career that like speaking is a high paying manual labor job. And like you said, you get paid really, really well to stand on stage and run your mouth for an hour. But the nature of it is you have to take two flights to get there and two flights to get home. And there's times where it's like, ah, it's, it's cool. It's glamorous. And there's parts where you're just like, this sucks. And, you know, delays and travel issues and that kind of thing. You know, plus there's just a limitation, you know, like I, I would love for a month where I make a good living and I didn't have to go get on a plane. And I didn't have to go and get any, I didn't have to go anywhere. So it seems like you've been really strategic about 
uh, creating revenue streams that don't depend on you getting on a plane or getting on a stage. How have you thought about which streams make the most sense for you and what it is that you're trying to accomplish? Because there's no shortage of things, but some that may make more sense than others for you. So how have you determined like, yeah, this is the path I'm going to go because it makes the most sense for what I'm trying to accomplish? It took a while to figure it out, but one, we, we created video programs based on each book. So that was just one stream which naturally fit. So video programs based on the books. And then we knew we wanted to develop leaders. So we thought, okay, we should do leadership training, but that only was done starting, started last year. So we only did four events last year to kickstart that. Everyone sold out. So it showed, okay, we're now in the market. People are wanting this. So that's been really good to see, but it, it comes out of the purpose. It really comes out of the core and the why it's nothing we do is just to make money. It's really about, does this fit with our core purpose and what we're here to do? And no matter how much, I'm making with these other streams with training grows and everything else. I will still speak at least 50 times a year. I truly believe that because that's my mission. That's my passion. That's what I'm here to do until the day that I die. I'm here to go speak, impact people. Now, will I fly private more? Probably, but I will go speak till the day I die, till I'm healthy, until people are willing to have me because I know that's why I'm here. That's my mission. That's my passion. Ken Blanchard is my mentor. He's 80 years old. We did a, a retreat about a year or two ago, and I saw him living his passion at that age. He was literally almost falling asleep before he got up there. And once he hit stage, man, he ignited. He lit up. He woke up, and he fired the audience up. And again, it was just me and him. And it was supposed to be back and forth a lot, but he was so on fire. I was just like, I played moderator at that point. And I'm like, let him go. This is going to be yeah, it's incredible. Like, what a great moment to see someone on fire at that age. I thought, that's going to be me. God willing, when I'm older like that. So it really, it has to be driven from your passion, your purpose. It's like, why is Tom Brady not retiring yet? Because he loves it and because yeah. it's his passion. So I will always talk again and do that, but I am creating the other streams for one, for, for greater impact, for multiplication and to multiply myself so that other people can go do what they're here to do. And so by doing it together, we can actually reach more people. And also because I got very clear and said, God, is this what I'm supposed to do next? Yeah. And, and it showed, yes, training and then consulting. We now consult with teams to help them become stronger teams and then the workshops. And, and it just fit. We also did talk to other companies that did leadership training and learned from them and thought, okay, that's maybe an avenue we should do. And then we looked at you know, people who were working with teams to help them become stronger teams. And I couldn't pick one or the other. And I said, oh, I think we're supposed to do both. So we went yeah. down the road of doing both. There's two sides of the equation. There's the, um, the art side of giving a, uh, giving a presentation, giving a speech from stage, uh, the training side, the content, all of that. But then there's the entrepreneurial side. Of, if you have the best content in the world, but nobody knows you exist, like it, it doesn't make any difference. So you seem to have a good balance of both, or maybe even maybe you're, you're great on the art side and behind the scenes, there's people running the business. So how have you tried to, to balance and manage and, and maybe be good at both sides so that you have, you built the business that you have today? Yeah, I think I'm a really good marketer. So I know how to market uh, the core message. And again, it all comes from a purpose. So I feel, always feel good about marketing what we're marketing. So I think there's a lot there. I don't think I'm great in operations. Like I know I'm not a great operational leader. Yeah. Uh, da Daniel Decker is 
a business partner of mine and he is very helpful in that area. And he also helps run our, our overall marketing, you know, implementing the strategy that we come up with together. Mm -hmm. So he's really great there. And now I have a head of training, Julie Nee, and we have Amy Kelly, who's head of consulting. So I'm surrounding myself with, with people who are better operationally yeah. than me. And we just hired a director of operations now that we're growing so much to help with our growth. So I am going to delegate to people who are better, but, but, you're right. It's a, it's a lot of different skill sets. Like I was writing in November and December. So I wrote a book with my wife called Relationship Grit. And then after that, I knew I needed to write this fable that's been on my mind for a while about overcoming fear and stress and anxiety. And it's really about your identity of who you are and knowing who you are. So I wrote this fable and it was very creative. But once I was writing it, I couldn't really do anything business. Every day yeah. I was like just writing. So it was around Christmas time where a lot of business stuff wasn't happening. Yep. But I was getting emails, but I couldn't even deal with the emails because it was like so much energy. And yet I'm trying to be creative and really think and tune in. So I literally put all that on hold, finished writing, and almost went back now to being business entrepreneurial and thinking about what we need to do next to, to be able to grow our business, to be able to provide more opportunities for our, our speakers. You've written a lot of books. Uh, do you feel like you're an author who happens to speak or a speaker who happens to write? Definitely an author first. Really? I did not want to speak early on. And so I knew that I wanted to write. And so to me, it was about, I'm happiest, to be honest, when I'm writing and I'm in the flow of that writing. So I love, I love writing. Speaking is, was something initially that I had to do to get the message out there. I've learned to love it. But I am still more of an introvert. People think I'm an extrovert because I'm all about positivity, but I'm actually more of an introvert. So I find more energy in the writing. I'm exhausted when I get off stage. Right. I'm exhausted when we do this afterwards. Like this, yep. this, people get energy from this, but not me. I get drained from a lot of times from it, yeah. but I, I recoup and I go back and do it again. So the purpose energizes me. Uh, the B vitamins help along the way. Uh, but, but I know that I'm actually a writer who then speaks about what I write about. I found that, and I'd be curious what you found. I, I found a lot of speakers I know um, are very introverted, myself included. Like I, I enjoy people. I enjoy being around people. But like you said, at the end of a day where you're around people, it's mentally, emotionally draining. And it's not a knock on, on people. It's just like kind of how you're, you're wired. But I found a lot of speakers are like that, and which I, th I think is helpful for people to understand because people assume in order to be a speaker, you have to be an extrovert. You have to be a life of the party. And it's just not that case. Most speakers are not that way. Most speakers are not wired that way. So have you found that being an introvert is actually a, um, uh, an, an asset or a benefit for you? I think it's just the way it is, right? It's, you have yeah. to learn how to maximize who you are. Dinner with a client, big pharma client the night before I was speaking and, and the guy said, uh, John, why are you not energizing me right now? Why you not seem like very energetic right now? I said, well, I'm eating and we're just hanging out and I'm trying to save myself for tomorrow. Yeah. But I think he was disappointed that I wasn't this like high energy guy on, like I, I might be on the stage, right? Yeah. And so, so I, I don't like to eat with clients anymore <laughs> than I before. <laughs> so, so I know, again, what works for me. I love talking to clients after I speak. Yeah. You get that natural high from talking. The adrenaline's flowing, and then you're, you're energized, talk, and then you crash on the plane, right? Yep. So you just, you just have to know what works for you. Yeah, but I, I know um, as an introvert, I, I think the power of being an introvert just is the ability to withdraw yeah. and in that withdrawal to find your – 
you know, your voice and to be able to write and share. And I think that's why I'm effective to do it. A lot of people just don't want to sit down and write. My wife is such an extrovert. So it's funny. I've been bringing her on the road with me more now. And afterwards, like they just talk to my wife and she talks to them. And She's like, a buffer. Oh, they love it. But they're like, oh, your wife is amazing. They love, they love my wife. And I'm like, this is great. Like she's, <laughs> I, I wish she would have traveled with me for the last 12 years. But we had, we had kids that were growing up. They're in college now. My daughter just graduated. My son's in college. So she could do that. But for years, she couldn't. That's funny. Uh, you mentioned your books, uh, your latest book, Stay Positive with our mutual friend, uh, Daniel Decker. Uh, tell us what the book's about. Who's it for? Yeah, the book is a collection of, of, of quotes. I just, I have it right here. So I've been tweeting for years now and always tweet different encouragement and different quotes and different messages in the book. So we decided, hey, let's take, a, let's take all those quotes and put it into a book where people could just turn to any page at any moment and there's a quote sitting right there. It's not a devotional. It's not like, hey, read this on this day. Just flip to any page and see what message is for you. And it's a, it's a fun way. And um, yeah, just had a, had a lot of fun doing that, putting that together. Daniel helped me put it together. And so uh, it's been a great project to do together. Awesome. Very cool. John, thanks for the time, man. This was really fun. If people want to find out more about you, what you're up to, if we want to check out uh, any number of the books that you have written, where can we go? Hey, thanks, Grant. They can go to johngordon.com, J-O-N gordon.com or Twitter, Instagram at johngordon11, J-O-N gordon11. And yeah, I just want to encourage people who are out there doing this, that if you have the desire to do this, if you truly want to do this, then you have that desire for a reason and you just have to figure out how do I put this into practice. And I think Grant is, is the best at actually helping people do that. I'm excited about your book, Grant, that will give people the blueprint and the framework on how to do it. I didn't have that. And it's so valuable when you literally have a, a blueprint and a framework. Because if you want to be an actor, there's a whole... A, there's a whole array of things that you have to do to be an actor, to get into the business and into the system and the auditions and the agent. And the same thing with speaking and books. You have to get yourself into the system of what's involved in writing and speaking. And once you become a part of that system, then you're able to grow within that system. But you have to know what that system is and how to get involved in it. And a lot of people want speaker bureaus like early on, right? I need a yep. speaker bureau to get speak to get speaker. Speaker bureaus are not going to be interested in you yes. and they're not going to try to book you. Preach. Guess what happens? When you don't need a speaker bureau because you're booking a lot yourself, that's when they start calling because yep. the clients are now asking for you. So don't request or try to find a speaker bureau early on get known for what you do, do great work, and the speaker bureaus will call you. Am I right, Grant? Ah, oh, dude, I preach that all the time. So you're, you're, you're uh, speaking my language here. So uh, awesome. really good. John, thanks awesome. for your time, man. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll chat soon. Thanks so much. All right, there you go, my friend. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with John. Again, I'd encourage you to check out johngordon.com. Johngordon.com. Check out all of his books, including his new one, Stay Positive. Make sure you uh, check out all of this. He uh, is a great guy and a great speaker, great entrepreneur, great author. And uh, definitely, definitely make sure that you support him. Uh, again, like I mentioned before, if you haven't already, make sure you check out our latest book, The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, and Building Your Platform. It is out in bookstores everywhere. If you are looking for the go-to resource for how to find and book gigs, The Successful Speaker is the book for you. So make sure you go check that out today. All right, my friends. Thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate it. And we will uh, catch you next time. You're awesome.